If you want to learn about what it takes to have happy, healthy feet or the importance of happy, healthy, strong feet, there's pretty much no one better to talk to than a dancer. And I don't mean, I mean, ballet dancer, that's one thing. Modernist, that's a whole other thing. But we're going to talk to some about some dancers with a former dancer that you are going to love. And I say that only because I'm projecting because I love the person we're going to talk to and the people that she works with and have for a long time. But more about that in a sec on today's episode of The Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body starting Feet first, you know, those things that are your foundation. I just realized that my video is off. And uh, if I don't have the self view on when I record this, I disappear. But hey, you've been looking at Emily Kent, who we're going to talk to in a second, <laughs> but I'm going to keep going. So uh, on this podcast, we break down the mythology and sometimes just the propaganda and well, flat out lies that you've been told about what it takes to run or walk or hike or play or do yoga or CrossFit or dance or do whatever you enjoy doing to do that efficiently and effectively and enjoyably. And enjoyably is the key one, because if you're not having fun, you're not going to keep it up anyway. So so find something you like and do that. All right. We call this the movement movement because we're creating a movement that involves you. It's really easy. It doesn't cost anything. I'll tell you about that in a sec. About natural movement, letting your body do what bodies are made to do. And the first part, that um, that uh, movement part, just you can go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. There's nothing you need to do to actually join. There's no secret handshake or, you know, song you need to sing or exercise we do every morning. Whatever it is, there's no money involved. It's just where you can find all the previous episodes, all the ways you can engage with us on social media, um, how you can contact us and subscribe to hear about upcoming episodes. Like us, thumbs up, bell icon on YouTube. You know the GRL. If you want to be part of the tribe, just subscribe. So, Emily Kent, it is a pleasure having you here. Would you do me a favor and tell people who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited. I'm Emily Kent. I'm the education director for Palabolus. The next question is, what the hell is Palabolus, right? And how? Do, why do you say that? Palabolus is a dance company. It's also a little phototropic mushroom. But right now, we'll, we'll focus on the dance company that's been around for more than 50 years. We do modern dance. We perform all over the world. And uh, at the same time, my job is teaching other people how we do what we do, whether that be kids, dancers, people who've never danced at all, all the way up to older adults. Now, let me, before anyone uh, tunes out, because you said the phrase modern dance. Um, <laughs> so true. I have been a Palabolus fan since, well, for about 47 years, since I was like 13, 14. And anytime I'd send someone to a Palabolus show and it's their first time, they basically come back saying the same thing, which was, that is not what I expected. And that's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. So yeah. what I love about what Palabolus does, and this is just a sales pitch for you to check them out. And I'll, I'll say it now at Palabolus, P-I-L-O-B-O-L-U-S dot org. Yeah, your dot org. Yeah, dot org. Mm -hmm. um, just go like watch any of the videos, get on YouTube, just watch anything. And if you're not amazed, there's something wrong with you. My favorite thing about what they do is there's two. One is just, well, more than two. One is just, these are amazing, amazing dancers, amazing performers. The other is that in any given show, you will find yourself thinking, laughing, crying, and everything in between. They have an amazing sense of humor and lightness that they bring to certain pieces and real depth and feeling that comes to others. And I don't mean like airy fairy, you know, it's like, Ooh, looking at art and I don't know what it means, but I'm feeling, I mean, like literally the kind of thing that just makes you think about reality in your life in a whole new way. Yeah. Um, and then look, let's cut to the chase. These are people with amazing bodies. So true. You can, at any way you want to come to it, you know, we're here for you. I, I always call it, we're kind of like the gateway drug for dance, I think, because <laughs> it's yeah. something you can bring your, 
we used to say husband, but maybe that's not PC anymore. Bring your fill in the blank person that doesn't like dance to right. see Palabolus and they will leave going, oh, I didn't know it could be like that. Because yeah. like you're saying, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We don't want people to leave going like, I think it must be good because I don't know what was happening or what I was supposed <laughs> to think. Like we, we want people to enjoy themselves. And my, I mean, my dad, when he first saw the show and he had been forced you know, for his whole life with a little child going to see those awful, awful recitals and sleeping through them. And so the first Palabola show he saw, he, I saw him afterwards and he goes, that was good. Like with that surprise <laughs> voice. And, 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 and it was funny, you know, and I think um, the thought that modern dance can be funny, that things can be slapstick, that we can be just real yeah, um, I think we're always looking for real exchanges on stage, both with the, the performers, but also performers to audience, you know. Well, and I'll tell you, one of my favorite things that you guys do is when everyone's just filing into whatever theater you happen to be in or whatever weird venue you happen mm -hmm. to be in. Um, the dancers are just on stage, lights up, warming up. I mean, and it yeah. creates this environment of like, oh, we're part of this. This is not. Okay, this yeah. is not, you know, far off in the distance and we're hands off. I mean, right. that feeling. Yeah, I mean, that was really important. It actually, it, we only started doing that maybe eight or 10 years ago. And it was that we didn't love that feeling of like, you're because you're back there anyway. Right. I mean, even if the, the curtains close, the dancers are out there, they're warming up, they're getting ready. And then it's like, now the show starts. No, like we're there. It helps us get the feeling for who's there. You know that you're a performer, so you know the feeling of like you want to peek out and see who's yeah. out in the audience or peek through the curtain. You don't have to. You can just stand out there and do your warm up and see who's coming, get the vibe for like how the people feel as they're coming in and, and set that stage for that exchange of a relationship between the dancers and the audience. Yeah. And, you know, and again, just to, to give people a reason to check out what you're doing after the last performance that I saw, I came up and I said, I don't know which I like more when I can see the physics of what you're doing or when you're hiding the physics of what you're doing. And what I mean yeah. by that for people who haven't seen Palabolus is they do these things that just frankly look impossible. And if you go try them, and I will say something about that in a second, you will find that they probably are and um, <laughs> for, for, for mere mortals. But there's literally, you know, you guys have mastered the art of sort of hiding the things that make something work in a way that a lot of it just looks, you know, literally impossible or practically magic. And that's really fun when you can see when in the middle of something, you can just hear the whole audience going, what the hell? Wait yeah. a Which is that's a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Now you, you tried some of these though in your youth, oh. didn't you? Well, so the, yeah, so that's the thing. <laughs> so when I was through uh, high school and actually through college, I was a gymnast and what would happen in high school, we'd all go and see a Palabola show and then we'd come back and we would try to do the things that we saw. And, you know, we were really fit and we were pretty savvy about movement and we could not figure out most of the things we saw. Um, <laughs> now, that said, there's one thing and I'll tell this. I'll, I'll repeat a story that I it was the, one of the first things I asked you when we connected. I had a memory of something that happened. And, and anyway, I had a memory of something that I saw and I wasn't sure if it was true, because a lot of times we have memories of things that are, you know, don't yeah. match reality. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you haven't done that with. I mean, like when I went to a, my high school or college reunions, it was very entertaining hearing things that I remembered that other people didn't and vice versa. I find that fascinating. Anyway, so here's yeah. the bit. And, and I'm probably exaggerating certain parts, so you can correct me, but the gist will be the same. Guy walks onto the stage, turns perpendicular to the audience, lifts up one leg parallel to the ground and just stands there. And for about 10 seconds, everyone's going, okay, that's, that's 
Yeah, that's cool. And they're waiting for someone else to come on and do something else or waiting for him to do something else. And no, nothing. So at about 30 seconds, everyone's like, All right, uh, something going wrong. I mean, what's this is I mean, that's pretty impressive. But I mean, where are the other things or the people or the other? <laughs> and after about a minute, people are going, you have got to be fucking kidding me. What is happening here? <laughs> after like three minutes, people are like jumping out of their chairs, freaking out. Um, and that was the yeah. whole thing. And so, yeah. I, so I asked you if my memory was in any way accurate or not. And you said. Yeah, I said, yes. And, you know, this, the piece that you're talking about is from one of our founders, Moses Pendleton, who now has a dance company, Momix. Also awesome. Go check them out um, as well. But he, he made this piece, I believe called Momix before there was a dance company called Momix. And, you know, the story about that and, and this ties into really who Palabolus is because we weren't dancers. Like the original guys at Dartmouth in 1971 hadn't in no, were in no way dancers. This, the reason they got started is because there was a woman who came to Dartmouth to start teaching dance classes. She, these guys signed up probably because she was way more attractive than any of the other options. Um, it was all male at the time, Dartmouth. And she said, I took one look at them and went, I can't teach them five, six, seven, eight steps and point your toes. Like, I just need to get them making something, get them creative and, and just see what they do. And Moses had a knee injury. He was like a, a ski jumper or something crazy like that. And he had, had hurt his, had hurt his knee. So that one leg that wasn't hurt was really strong because he had, you know, been around on crutches and done all these things basically on one leg. And so that solo really came out of that, like, well, look at all this shit I can do on one leg because I had to for a long time. And that's very Palabolus. It's like, yeah. it's what's really happening at this moment and how can you turn that into a dance? And it makes it easy for me as a teacher to go in any space, whether it's a you know, corporate education or a school for the blind or a group of senior adults at a, at a senior center and teach a class that's Palabolas because it's about how does your body move? How can we push the limits of that? How do you make things with other people and perform them? That's really at the heart all you have to do. You don't have to be able to lift your leg. You don't have to be able to push somebody over your head and all those amazing, amazing things our dancers can do. But because they can do those things when we're improvising and making a new piece, those are the things that come out of the improvisation. And then that's what ends up on stage. Well, it's funny. Lena and I got to see um, two shows recently, and we made a comment that a couple of pieces looked different. And we said, is it our memory or were they different? It's like, oh, no, they were different because we had different dancers. And mm. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. basically the structure was the same, but some different things yeah. because different people doing it. And I thought that was. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, you know, whenever somebody new comes in, there's, you know, pieces that already exist that they have to learn, but also they do make them their own. I mean, we encourage them because, you know, as a, as a comedian, something one person says, another person can't say it and be funny. Like you have to find right. your own way to say the punchline, to deliver whatever it is. And it's the same with movement. Like it could be purely physics, right? Like this person has longer legs. So their base of weight is going to be higher than another person who's shorter. It could also be for like a more of a, of an acting thing. Like I want you to look like this for this person. They did these three things for you. You might do something different to mm. make that come across because that's who you are. And it's like that when it, it's great for me as a teacher, because I'm encouraging people to really just be who they are in the class. And that's valuable. They lots of other dance. And believe me, I've taken lots of other dance is about being the person who's teaching you. 
you know, <laughs> copying their body movements, doing the things that they're saying. That's fine. That's a great way to do things. It's a great way to learn. Um, this is just a different angle on that, which is like, okay, how do you move low to the ground? Yeah. Okay. How do you move? I love to play a game with the kids because a, a lot of times, and especially dancers who've had it beaten into their head that like the, there are certain ways you move like, okay, you can't use your feet on the floor. So now what do you do? And then they, they do some things and I say, okay, awesome. You still can't use your feet on the floor, but now you can't use your hands. <laughs> oh, oh, well now what do I do? And then you figure it out. And then well, hold, they, on, like, let's, hold on, let's pause on that one. I want people to think about this. Okay. So it's funny. You were saying, I was about to think, is there any movement thing that we could do with people or invite people to do? And now we're doing one. So imagine, yeah. so I want people to think about this. Like you're asked to move across the floor and you can't yeah. have your feet touching. So what are you going to do now? The most common thing that I can imagine is people are going to be on all fours, you know, with their hands and knees. Yeah. Um, but I can also think of like, there's some other things that you could have touching the ground. So now we're saying, okay, yeah. let's get rid of your hands. So yeah. I want people to, you know, ponder for a second, because now I'm already, I'm imagining a couple of things that involve knees and head or knees and mm -hmm. shoulders or knees and, yeah. or I mean, there's, you know, or on your back, right? On and your you're back. Like, yeah. 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 Or, yeah. yeah. It's super cool. And we actually use this. Uh, we have a, a kid show that we do. A lot of venues where we go, we'll, we'll bus in kids from a school and we'll perform for kids. And we have a show called Rules at Play. And it's really about how rules as an artist, they seem like a bummer, like no rules. But really, it's really, really hard when you have no rules at all. Like you want a constraint that you can be creative within. Mm. And so this constraint for this piece was, you know, you can't use your feet on the floor. So we bring kids up on stage and usually a teacher and make them do this very thing. Like on yeah, yeah. stage, you start here, you go there, no feet on the floor. And they, that's what they do. There's a moment and then they all crawl or they all get on their knees and shuffle. And then it's like, okay, now when you go back, you know, you can't right. use your hands or whatever it is. And then it's like, oh, everything that they did was different than what they would have done if we hadn't given that rule. So they came, all the people who tried, or you, if you try at home, you'll do something new. And that's really the idea. Like if you decided to make a whole dance about how many ways you could move without using your feet or hands on the floor, it would be very different than if I just said, okay, make up a dance, right? Okay. Which most people would be like, okay, what are the moves <laughs> that, you know, the traditional kind of things. So it's that, those kind of games or what I get to play with in a class, just getting people thinking in a different way about moving, but it's not about being me, mm -hmm. right? It's not about being the Palabalist dancers. It's about like, how, how can you solve that problem? Solving mu movement problems really. Yeah, yeah. And can, you know, can, which is where we find some uh, commonality. Cause I think you spend a lot of time solving movement problems. Well, right? That is true, but we're, but enough about me. So um, <laughs> is there another exercise that we can get people to think about it or maybe even do depending on where they happen to be? Yeah, well, I can think about one of the other ones in that in that show. Sometimes we do everybody here. Has, so there's a dance piece that we do. I don't know if you I can't remember if you saw it at any of the shows you were at. But it's called the solo from the empty suitor. And the the dancer, it's mostly a solo for this one guy, but it starts with all the people. There's a bench and there are oh. PVC pipes on yes. stage. Yes, in fact. Well, I've seen it in the past and I saw it okay. um, at one of the recent shows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this lovely lady tempts him with an apple. He takes a bite and then suddenly he's stuck on these PVC tubes going back and forth and he can't touch the floor. It's it's almost, you know, the rule is, you know, he can't touch the floor, kind of like um, the floor is lava, right? Mm -hmm. We've all played, all played that when we were kids, you know, and it's just like in your space, 
how many things could you set up and what could you do to get to those things without touching the floor and how interesting could you make it, you know, and like how far away could you put that rug or that pillow that you're going to jump to? Um, so that's another one we talk about in that show. I mean, the, the original Palavolus rule was how do you make a dance with no dancers, right? In 1971, they had no dancers. Right. right. They were just like, well, you do things you do every day. Like you've seen the piece Walk Linden. And this one also is easy to find on YouTube for anybody who, you know, searches us. There's no music. And it's all about entering, you know, bumping into each other, meeting, hello, all the funny things that happen on a street, right? Just walking past each other and all the absurd ways you can take that as a performer you know you end up jumping on them and upside down and you know doing a, a handstand over somebody's back and then flipping back over another way so but it, the rule was really like well if you don't have dancers you have to use movement that everybody does you know and then turn it into a dance i love yeah. it yeah i mean I'm but just... you could play another oh this is my favorite sorry for interrupting one of my favorite things to do with kids or adults is tell everyone okay because we're never dancing especially for a group of people that don't would not show up to a dance class. We're not dancing. We're just playing games. We're playing movement games. So most folks have heard of the game Twister, right? Awesome. You've got the thing on the floor. Well, I made up a, a game called Palabolus Twister. I'm going to call out a body part and you have to connect that part to another part on your body. Or sometimes it's the same, like connect your elbows together. We'll start really easy or elbow to knee. Okay. Or head to knee. All right. You just have to freeze and do that. Well, then I'll say now can do that connection and move across the room. So if you've got <laughs> elbow to knee, you have to keep elbow to knee and move across the room. And the cool thing is, is my version of elbow to knee might be in a kneeling position. And somebody else's might be standing up or it might be like holding underneath whatever they want to do. And then you go, OK, now you have to do this with another person. So, Stephen, your elbow is going to be connected to my knee. And we're going to have to work together to get across the room, right? Or my foot on your back or whatever combination we come up with. And how do you move now? Because it's definitely different than something you would have thought of had I not given you that little problem to solve, that movement game to do. So y'all can try that at home um, with your family. It's really fun to do with parents and kids, you know, kid belly to adult head, you know, like, fun, <laughs> like that, that you can do. And just, it's just new ways of moving yourself and, and being creative. And, and like you said, having fun, because if you're not having fun, what's the point? Exactly. Well, and I'm just imagining, you know, little things like uh, getting from the couch to the TV in the weirdest possible way or the most circuitous. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Give me a flashback. The physicist, Richard, the late physicist, Richard Feynman um, got a dog and realized that the dog doesn't know what sit means. The dog doesn't know what down means. The dog doesn't know anything, but I can use those words to teach the dog other things. So for example, he would throw a ball and say fetch and the dog would run in the opposite direction outside the house, around the house, jump in through the window, grab the ball, go back through the window, around the house. It's like, you know, it's like he called yeah. them counterintuitive dog tricks. Like, yeah. what's the, oh, that's what's perfect. The, oh, it's hysterical. Um, what's the what's the weirdest way that we could make you do the, what most people think is the simplest thing? And, yeah. Um, yeah. I just realized I have one now. So we now have our first dog ever. And he's um, we've had him for about seven months. He's a maybe about a three year old rescue. And I realized the other day I've been trying to teach him down and mm -hmm. it hit me two days ago. Actually, he does it perfectly on a particular rug in our house, oh. but he can't but he doesn't know how to do it anywhere else. Hmm. <laughs> he's just totally he likes the feel of that rug on his belly. 
He's just gotten the idea that down means a thing connected to that rug. Uh, uh-huh. So, and I'm now I'm trying yeah. to unwind that and get him to realize that it, yeah. you know it can generalize and mean that same thing in other places. But I find it very entertaining when I say down. He runs over to the rug and then lies down, <laughs> which which yeah. is just priceless. Um, yeah, perfect. So, so these are all very fun things for people to play with. That made me think of something I was going to ask you. Oh, so talk. Let's chat more. I want to well. There's so too many things I want to ask you about, but let's chat more about the classes you started doing during COVID and balanced classes, et cetera, and how, yeah. um, because that's something I, I, I'd love for people to hear how that evolved and then what sure. you're doing and what the effects have been. Yeah. So actually we'll have to go back pre-pandemic. <gasps> You know, did it exist? It did. But like eight years ago, um, we got some feedback from some funders that they were looking for things for older adults because there's, I mean, probably you and I both know, you really have to look harder as an adult to find interesting, fun things to do that are physical. Um, I'm taking like adult tap right now. Well, hold on. Let me interject where where you're not going to feel dopey going there because you're the old uncoordinated person. Yes, 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 exactly. Like, yeah. And you're not taking dance with teenagers or you're not, you know, like at learning tennis with like five-year-olds or something. So it is harder to find things. So we were like, cool, we can, you know, because of all those things I said before, we can make a, a, a class for older adults, but also knowing that a lot of people are scared of the word dance. Yeah. And if they're not there to, 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 to take a dance class, it's not like ballroom dance or whatever. I, I wanted people to show up. Well, what older people care about balance and falling, right? It's like the number one thing that you're hearing about and you're thinking about. And so we were like, let's, let's put this all together because of course a dance class and a movement class does teach you balance and we can specifically focus on that. And at the same time, do all the things that we do at Palabolus anyway, get people to move their bodies, get people to be creative and work together. And so we started this program in community centers. We'd go in, we'd offer the class connecting with balance and we would um, meet together. It was super fun. We did a lot of things that you might see in uh, Tai Chi, pull from Tai Chi or other phys- physical therapy or chair yoga or different things, depending on the group of folks and their ability level, you know, warming up, doing like range of motion for your body parts, standing with something to hold on to, practicing shifting weight. And, and, and my whole thing is as a dancer, you get to try lots of different movements all the time. You're not stuck just, I mean, most, a lot of folks are either sitting or they're laying down, right? Or they're standing up and walking wherever they're going. There's not like a lot of other movements. And when those movements happen, you know, this thing, and then, whoa, they go. So giving people a chance to safely experience lots of different movement patterns so that they're, that that's in their realm of things they do all the time. So we did that in person for a long time with the support of some great funders, the community foundation here in, in Connecticut. Then when the pandemic happened, of course, older adults are hugely impacted, they're home. And so we were like, okay, let's, let's turn this into a video product, um, which we did by recording videos like you would watch any workout video and they can access them streaming. We have over 25 videos now in that library. Those are not live. They're just pre-recorded. And then we also do Zoom classes of these 
things. Now the Zoom and the at home have a little different feel because you're not in the room with somebody else, right? So you're not holding hands with somebody else or tossing a ball to somebody else and that kind of thing. And luckily we are getting a chance to come back to some some live in-person ones here. Um, and you know, I don't, well, at, when we were out in Breckenridge this summer, which is when I met you in person, we taught some outside, which was so fun. And, and we yeah. got to use the grounds uh, there at the Performing Arts Center and everything. But you can, this has been huge for us because it's allowed me to not just meet people who live around here, but I can teach people all across the country. I mean, I just, I, I teach class on Fridays at 10 on Zoom and there's somebody in California that takes the class. And that never would have happened without yeah. this whole like Zoom idea. And it's really about moving, again, moving your body. What can you do now? How can we stretch that thing? And how can we play with movement for this class in order to build a more stable and mobile and um, balanced body through these movements? And so it's super fun for me. And I'm, I was constantly telling people, like, in person, no one would take their shoes off. <laughs> because they were like, you know, they'd come from their car and they'd come into the building and it just wasn't something they did. And so I didn't push it because I wanted people to feel comfortable. But then once we were home, it was like, oh, yeah, just take your shoes and socks off. Like that's right. it's very easy. And so <laughs> once I found out about your company and got some of your shoes, I mean, this is now my go to. I'm in the community center. Everybody's got their shoes on. I'm like, wow, can you see how much my foot can move in these shoes? Well, that's because there are these shoes. And I just love it so much because it's such a problem. And I heard your story about your dad and it made me think about my own. I just spent some time with my dad who had some surgery and I was working with him on just moving his feet and how little his feet could move. Yeah. I think because of so many years in these tight shoes and he's not a guy that ever goes barefoot unless we're on the beach. And I just saw this like, wow, this is what happens when your feet don't move through these ranges of motion. They just, just stop being able to. And so when you're, even if I'm teaching class in my zero shoes and we're doing that like toe yoga, you know, your toe, big toes are lifting up and then putting down, that can happen inside those shoes right. because they're made for their feet to move. And so I'm, I'm always telling folks like, take your shoes off in, and do the class, take your shoes off and walk outside where it's safe or put on these shoes where you can actually feel the ground because it's, it's a huge component. And, and we, as modern dancers, we get this job where we get to be barefoot all day. Like I can literally just go hang out at work barefoot all day and it's not weird. And I know that that's not a normal experience. It's also not a normal experience to, to have your coworkers in their underwear, you know, and that's, that's the normal <laughs> outfit of the or day. Less. That's, yeah. Or less, right. That's, that's life at Palabalus. But that experience for people who don't have a job where they can just like be barefoot and that yeah. be okay and normal that there's other options is huge. And if I could get every, every older adult that I'm teaching in these classes to just not be wearing these tight shoes that are squeezing their toes together and not allowing their feet to do what they're supposed to do to keep them from falling. Yeah. It would be huge. It would be so huge. There's a rumor um, that there's a study being done, even as we speak about balance and footwear. And we were, I think we were um, an unknown footwear provider. Like I didn't know that they were using our shoes, but they're using our shoes. Oh. And I'm, I can't wait 
to see the results of the study. Oh my gosh. I mean, we've heard anecdotally from elderly people who are like, oh my God, you know, I'm doing so much better because I'm wearing your shoes, but I can't wait till there's something where we can talk about the science behind that. Because uh, for people who don't know, my dad's one of those people who uh, had bad gait patterns. His feet didn't really work really well, tripped on something, fell down, broke his hip and died a couple of weeks later. And I know every time I say that, people often think that I'm kind of being callous at how casually I say that. But A, it was like eight or nine years ago. And B, you know, we didn't get along that well. So but more importantly, um, it was eight or nine years ago and, you know, I'm, I'm over it. So, so it's an interesting thing. But, you know, with modern dancers coming in and being barefoot all the time, when I was young, I don't know how it happened, but I ended up dating a bunch of dancers and almost all of them were ballet dancers and their feet were messed up. Um, well, think about it. It's like the worst. It's basically yeah. worse than wearing pumps, you know, wearing <laughs> stiletto heels, like because you're yeah. beyond your your toes are squeezed together in that thing. You're on, it's on the top of them. Oh, it's crazy. I, as soon as I could, didn't have to wear those anymore. They were like, oh, well, they were like burning the bras, burn the point shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well, that's kind of my question. You know, I mean, for both, if you can talk about your experience and just whatever you may have seen from someone who may have, for whatever reason, gotten the idea that maybe ballet is not for them and they come to you. What do you yeah. see in terms of getting their feet to be functional again? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. I mean, a lot of people, I don't have as much of that. Like yeah. I was a ballet dancer and I ruined my feet. Occasionally it happens. But honestly, just the regular shoes have ruined most people's feet. And it, it is like ballet and those point shoes are are to the extreme. And it, I it's for an aesthetic reason. It's yeah. a thing. Like I'm not saying people shouldn't do ballet. I'm just saying think about the impacts. It's like, you know, someone who who says like, I have a job and I have to wear heels every day. Okay, that's your life. That's what you have to do. But know the trade off. Yeah, right. And know there are other things you can be doing when you're not in those heels to try to counteract some of that, you yeah. know, and like getting the heels down and like separating your toes, putting some spacers in there or just, you know, walking out on some sand or grass and like feeling the ground again. I um. <laughs> we, I was joking with you because now everybody at Blobolus just wears zero shoes all the time. And um, yeah. my, <laughs> my friend and colleague at Blobolus, we started taking tap classes, adult tap. It's so fun. Oh, tap, and is, tap is, wait, hold on. I, but I want to hear this, but I have to interrupt this. When mm -hmm. I was uh, my, maybe it was my last semester at Duke. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, somewhere between my junior and senior at Duke, um, I did research on cognitive aspects of motor skill acquisition. So I had to learn a new motor skill. So I yeah. took tap and, oh. oh man, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And it is a brain challenge as yeah. much as a physical challenge. I never knew there were so many things you could do with your foot. You know, like yeah. I, I was like, I've been a dancer my whole life, but it's been more about your whole body moving in space. And yes, if it's ballet, you're pointed or you're flexed or you're doing whatever. But like the number of sounds that you can make with your feet on the ground and then there's an order those go in that's almost like a poem you know and yeah. you're because our teacher always encourages us to say the names of the moves so you're you're thinking like shuffle ball change kick step whatever it is so that's like i'm thinking words in my brain i'm right. trying to communicate all the way down to my feet they've never felt further away from my head than they do at that hour <laughs> um and uh but you know you've got to wear tap shoes obviously uh, you, maybe you should make a zero shoe tap shoe. I, I would be in. Huh. I would be in on that because okay. we finished. My Palabalas colleague and I finished, and we both were like, "Oh well, these are definitely not zero shoes because my toes have been crammed together 
in these tap shoes for the hour. Um, so I, I need so more space. Funny. No, no, more it, space just, in my tap shoes. Yeah, yeah, just doing nothing but making a foot-shaped tap shoe uh, kind of makes <laughs> sense, except for the, you know, it would be perfect for the five people who would buy it. The, <laughs> um, you know, I realized something um, when you were talking a moment ago that there's there's kind of an overarching theme in these podcasts and the conversations that I'm having with people that I just realized, and that is what we're often trying to do in many, many different ways is get people to just um, break out of a pattern is like to, or more accurately to identify when you're kind of in a particular groove and then find a way to do it differently. And, um, yeah. and we've talked, I've talked to a bunch of people who, where that's really the fundamental thing we're saying. I got the hiccups all of a sudden, pardon me, where that's the fundamental thing that we're saying is find a way to take something that you do normally and then turn that around a little bit, find a different way to do yeah. that, find a, alternate way to do that find a you know more interesting way to do that find the opposite of that or whatever it is mm-hmm. and I, and and now even talking about tap this whole phenomenon of this just the way your brain likes to make patterns and the way that uh what can be really fun and valuable is to break those or at least recognize those and have options that you didn't have yeah. before um I, I, as a former gymnast i know most people most people that i know have never been upside down other than like on a roller coaster um, yeah. and they've never just spent any time upside yeah. down and once you've been upside down for a while you know that's a thing that you can do and it has effects that you can discover slash enjoy um yeah and so i i really appreciate you kind of talking about that backing up to the classes and then with tap too yeah so i haven't done i i when did i do that i'm 60 now so this is when i was this 40 years ago ish mm-hmm. to this day like once a month i find myself going literally thinking and then i have to do it shuffle wait sh- wait shuffle step shuffle step shuffle ball chain shuffle step and then i do <laughs> yes, it yes and i can't help myself yeah I always tell my students, I force them to do whatever I'm interested in or whatever I'm, I'm finding really challenging. So as soon as I started taking tap, I mean, the first thing I thought was, this is so great for my brain because I'm yeah. like literally making new pathways. And so I was like, oh, ding, that's all my classes are going to have to do this now. So we've been doing some really simple things, that, you know, like lifting, tapping your toe down. You know, that's always mm-hmm. like the first warm up to t- toe taps, heel taps, whatever. And Um, it's also great for like variability of the way your feet can work. Right. Right. So like beyond just like learning how to tap because you want to learn how to tap, like being able to move your feet in lots of different ways is just going to help you solve the movement problem. That is, Oh shoot. I just tripped on the rug and I've got to, I've got to catch myself. Right. Yeah. We, we can practice it as many ways as we can think of, but in the moment, you don't know what's going to happen until you're there, right? So trying to have this, this adaptability, have this practice of, like you're saying, not the habitual, like, well, then I step forward. Well, what if the rug sent you sideways and you've got to crisscross your leg over and solve that problem, like that quick thinking. And so a lot of my classes for balance will also use a ball, right? And we'll just do things because I know you juggle too, don't you? Of course. Of course, right? Yeah. So I, I can't juggle, but like well, hold on, ball, let me let me preface that. That's because I was a boy who went to high school. So <laughs> it was required. Like all of my friends, we all learned to juggle. Okay. Well, it gives you you can take the ball and do some of the same exercises. So for yeah. example, I'm doing a an exercise where they 
you know, step forward or a little mini lunge forward, catch their weight, come back. Well, what if you, the reason you have to lunge forward is because you bounce the ball or toss the ball too far in front and you have to reach out to catch it. Right. So that is, gives you more variability in where it's going to go. Cause you just never, you can't ever toss it to exactly the same spot unless you're right. a trained juggler and you having, you're having to react. Right. I really want people to have to react as much as possible mm-hmm. in these classes. And that's what's great in person, because then you've got another person. Like if I throw you the ball and I throw it badly, right, you have to react and dodge out to the side. And I used to tell people all the time, I'd be like, now be a bad partner, like throw it badly, not so badly they can't get it. But like instead yeah. of aiming for the center of their body, aim over here, they're going to have to go this way. And it's like those. um agility drills, you know, where you have some app or whatever, and it's telling you right and left, and you don't know what's going to come next. It's like that kind of thing, because that's what life is, right? It's a, it's a curb that you didn't expect or a, or a rug or your dog gets behind you or, you know, whatever. So, and that's the fun. I mean, I, this is where it connects with Palabolus, the dance company, because people are always like, well, what does this have to do with what you guys do? We create all of our dances through improvisation, the dances you see on stage are not improvised in that moment. They're set, they're done. But right now we're in the studio working on new things and they're going through a process of improvisation. They are having to react in the moment with each other to what's really happening. The mm. person goes, hi, are you going to dodge under, right? Or if they put their hand on your shoulder, are you going to move away? Are you going to resist and provide the opportunity for them to be lifted by you? Like all of those things are happening with discovery and like reacting really in the moment to what's happening. And the pieces wouldn't be the same if we didn't go to them that way. We don't, our choreographers don't sit at home and think up all the ideas for the moves and then come in and tell them what to do. It's like, sometimes they say, here's a problem to solve, right? You can't touch your hands together or whatever. Or sometimes it's just like, let's see what happens when we have three people on stage together and we're, and we're trying some, you know, trying some movement, we're reacting to each other. So that is another cool crossover from what I'm doing in balance class and what Mm. we're doing in, in other Palabalist classes. And I will say to folks, we have master classes that happen all over the, all over the country. Like on our website, you can see where we're performing. We start up again in January. Um, In most places we do like an hour masterclass. Sometimes that's specifically for a group, right? For performing at a university, a lot of times they'll have a class for their university students, but sometimes it's a community class. And we do a summer week long. You don't have to be a dancer to come. Like you don't have to have ever taken a dance class. You don't have to, you just have to be able to spend a week with us moving around and, you know, expecting to be physical for eight hours a day, but it's not, you don't have to hold somebody over your head when be physical, just, you just have to, you, you're, you're creating the movement, right? So I've had people in their eighties do the workshop. I've had uh, a woman show up and go, I'm a middle school principal and I have no idea why I'm here, except I saw the show. I saw you do this and I was just like, go for it, you know? So those happen every summer and, it really, it's it's so fun to just be in this space where you can try something totally new with a whole bunch of people who also want to do that thing. I was call it, it's like adult summer camp. You know, you stay in a dorm and everybody like ends at the end, like, oh, you're my best friend ever. You know, <laughs> we've we made so many things together. It's it's really awesome fun. How, lo- how long does it take for people to get over the self-consciousness and into this, the play? Not 
not very long because I, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And so I've got a good way of set of welcoming us all into the thing where there's no way to feel self-conscious. And the other thing is we never use mirrors. You know, your idea of dance in a studio with a wall full of mirrors is like our kryptonite (laughs) because (laughs) number one, it takes you out of your self. You're into a reflection of yourself, which is exactly what Zoom did. I told everybody that everyone having to be on Zoom was like everyone experiencing what we dancers live through growing up. It's just too much looking at yourself because you're like, oh, oh, do I have those? Oh, does this shirt's ugly? You know, like constantly, (laughs) that's what you're doing in the mirror when you're taking a dance class. Yes, you're trying to get your lines right, but you're also like, I'm fat or my arms are different than other people's, you know? So we do not use mirrors. The other reason is if you're looking in the mirror, you're not looking at your partner's face. You're not reading their, their physical cues. You're not really communicating. There's a third entity and it's the mirror. And you're like, well, I am looking at them. Well, yeah, you're looking at them through a mirror. It, it, it's weird. It's, it's a very odd sensation. So anytime we're out and we're in a dance studio teaching, we're always like, can we cover the mirrors? Like, is there something we can pull, you know, because that we want to create that that intimate space where you're just with another person. And it really does remove a lot of that because you don't know what you look like. It's (laughs) There's no um, no visual. Most people have never had, many people have never had this experience. So let's just say I'm nominally Jewish. That is, I was raised in a Jewish family. I I refer to my family as Christmas and Easter Jews. So Mm. we, we would go to a synagogue for the big holidays and that was really kind of it. But one of the things that was really interesting when my father died, is there's a tradition that when someone dies during the morning period, you cover up all the mirrors. Oh, yeah. And it's a really amazing thing to discover how much you pay attention to yourself, even if it's casual, even if it's, you know, brushing your teeth, washing your face, whatever it is, and not doing that, not getting that feedback. It's unbelievably liberating. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so true. It's so true. And I, 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 um, you know, my kids are uh, 12 and 14. And so they went through this like Zoom period at like the worst awkward time. Right. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, it's like you're at your worst, you're getting zit, whatever. And then you're like on screen all day with the camera, like right up here. And it was like, I can't even imagine what that was like. But it, yeah, taking the because it's almost like the mirror is the judgment. If you don't see it, it's not that you never judge. You know, maybe you sit down and go like, oh, my my waist is a little floppier than I thought it was. But like the seeing it gives you that moment of, oh, look, oh, look well, at my see, hair. Oh, well, look at it's, whatever. It's, it's worse in a way because you see yourself from a particular angle and then you look in the mirror and it's a different angle. And then so suddenly you're seeing things that you hadn't seen just from, you know, your eyes looking down, yeah. left, right, et cetera. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah it, it's really interesting. I had, you should remind me of this. I have a thing. We don't have anywhere to put it in our current house, I just realized, but it's called the true mirror. And what it is, it's basically mm-hmm. two mirrors that meet at a 90 degree angle. So when you're looking mm-hmm. at them, it's 45 degree angles because you're looking down the middle, but they figured uh-huh. out a way to uh, make the seam between the two mirrors invisible. And so when you look into two mirrors that are at a 90 degree angle to each other, you see yourself backwards from the way you see in a normal mirror. In other words, right. you're seeing yourself the way other people see you. Right. You're, you're backwards right. in a regular mirror. And when we used to have this in our previous house, 
um, we'd have it, in, we had it in the the powder room, and we'd see you know people say, "Where's the bathroom?" We'd say, "Over there," and. And then we would just go kind of listen because you hear people go, what the, what? You know, they, did, they didn't realize that one eyebrow was way higher than the other because you get used to the way you see yourself in the mirror yes. or that something, yes. you know, whatever it is. And it's just some people really liked it and some people yeah. really didn't like it. Um, right. You're like suddenly my parts on the other side of my head and yeah. what does that do? Well, there's kind of a similar thing. One thing I do a lot beginning of a Palabolus workshop is you have a partner and you're just going to play a mirror game, right? So you'd be the leader and I would follow and anything you would do, I would try to just copy it. And then at a certain point we switch and the other person is the leader. And it's a super basic exercise, but one of the fun things, well, A, you have to really watch, right? You're yeah. having to really take in somebody's whole body and replicate it. But always at the end, I feel like I know something more about that person because mm. the things that they do are so different sometimes than anything I would ever do. And I always think like, I feel like I put on your skin for a little bit and, and I was like, oh, this is what it's like to be inside your body because you do these things, you know, and this is what I do. And you don't think about the habitual movements you have right. until you see them reflected on another person. Or if you're like me and I'm going around and I'm teaching this class all the time and I'm with my partner and we're teaching this class and then I realize I've done basically the same kinds of things in this demo every time. And I'm like, wow, I guess that really is my habitual way of moving. There are patterns that we do. And then you see it reflected on another body and you can see them in a different way. And and a lot of times people at the end of our, our summer intensive will say, like, I don't actually know you. Like, I don't know where you live or like what your wife is like or whatever. But because we danced together and we made this class, made this piece or whatever, I have a deep understanding of you, but it's not one that, you know, maybe your coworker has. You're going to love this. So maybe you won't. I don't know. I think you will. So <laughs> I used to do one of the things that got me out to Boulder was um, I was doing Zen archery, Japanese archery. Oh. And it was presented as a sort of, you know, meditative thing, like doing just Zen meditation or calligraphy or tea ceremony. It's just another one of those things. And there's a line um, at the at the moment of release, when you let go, when you release the arrow, at the moment of release, the archer's true nature is revealed. Now, the way people who have a for lack of a better term, spiritual bent will interpret that is, ooh, that's when you discover your true nature. You become awakened. You become enlightened by, you know, shooting these things. Like, no, no, no. What it really means, there's another thing that, that um, our teacher was the imperial bow maker to the emperor of Japan. Mm -hmm. When I met him, he was 80 years old. And he would also say, tell the story that perhaps in China, the way they, when they were uh, when some person who was in charge was looking for people to be his vice presidents, essentially, for whatever it was, they, they would have them do archery because you could see things about their personality. So mm. one day I was watching somebody shoot and I just had this thing go through my mind. I just it was sort of like a window open. And I could see something about them and the it just coincidentally, the I was an assistant teacher. Now, my job as the assistant teacher was basically to sit around and do almost nothing. But for whatever reason, the teacher said, you know, is there anything you want to say about that shot? I went, oh, and it didn't occur to me to not say something like what I'm about to say, which was, yeah, look, um, just because when you were a kid, 
your parents couldn't handle the amount of energy you had. You don't need to be yelling, bite me every time, you know, you let go of the air. You don't need to be yelling at us in the way you shoot. <laughs> and his eyes just got like really wide. And he went, how'd you, uh, don't say anything, just shoot again. And then suddenly mm-hmm. completely different. Mm-hmm. So you do, you, you know, when, you, if you look and feel it, you do start to understand certain patterns that people have that you would never find in any other way. And yeah. now here's the punchline to that story. The other students would say, Ooh, do that to me. You know, when, watch me shoot. I went, I don't need to see you shoot. I've already seen enough. I can just tell you. <laughs> but the other, the, the crazier thing that happened was the other teachers got very anxious around me because they could tell that I could do the same thing to them. And they had built mm-hmm. very rigid personas about being a teacher who mm-hmm. whatever. And I was, you know, seeing through that. So that's another yeah. thing that was, yeah. uh, was pretty wacky. Yeah, totally. I could totally see how that could happen. I mean, luckily for me, I get to create the persona that, oh, wow, I got a lot of these habits too. And look at this. And we talk a lot about leading and following because everything, if you're going to improvise with someone, sometimes you're leading, sometimes you're following, sometimes the movement is leading the movement movement. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I always tell people like everybody has a different relationship with being a leader and a follower. Some people love leading, some people love following, whatever. And I I always get to joke, like, I obviously like leading. I've chosen a job of teaching people, standing up in front and telling you what to do, right? I realize this, I'm much more. And uh, there's there's another exercise we do where one partner closes their eyes and the other partner moves them around. Um, right. Walking them through the space. And I never taught this exercise um, until at one period of time, some of the dancers we had, they were like, I love this exercise. You should do this thing. It's really great. And I was like, why should we do it? And then they told me all the reasons why we should do it. And I was like, okay, you're making a good case. Like, let's do it. And I realized the reason I never taught it is because I hate it. (laughs) I hate not being in charge. I hate not seeing what's happening. And having somebody else lead me around is like a nightmare. And then I was like, that's not really a good reason to not do it, right? That's just like my personal preference. So I do it now. And I always tell people this, like, I don't, it's my job to lead you through this experience. It doesn't mean I'm 100% great at all of it, right? I'm also human and I don't like to do this. So I probably should, right? If you don't, it's a great reason. I mean, I'm not good at tap. I never tapped before. So I'm part of the reason I like it is because I'm like, wow, I'm not good at this yet. I'm not so bad that I can't keep up, but I'm, I'm not, I like it. The challenge of doing something I'm not good at, you know? Well, so here's something when I was doing my research, what I did is I did like, there was five different steps and I would do them as fast as I could for a minute. And then I would record how many I did and how accurate I was. And what was really fun was the, what would have otherwise been an imperceptible improvement was very clearly perceptible because I was, I could Mm. see the chart of, I was getting, doing it faster and I was doing it better until I could Mm. do it really, really fast perfectly because it Mm. was just way back in my brain now and I couldn't do it wrong. Um, And so what I'm going to recommend for the fun of it, like take one or two steps, do that. Do like 30 seconds or a minute and tape it. And then, you know, mm-hmm. a couple weeks later, do it again. See what you find yeah. because that yeah. changes the learning process. It makes it so that quote frustration that we feel, which is just laying down new neural pathways has a reason. And um, it's yeah. a really fun one. The the moving people around one um, I've done something like that. And I, my thing when I'm a leader, 
I like to find out where people get stuck. I like to see mm. where they're trying to resist where I'm trying to go. And then I try to mm. exaggerate that a little bit until they get, you know, till they basically they're like, you know, I don't want to do that. And then I just kind of push <laughs> right. a little more. So, right. Right. So that's right. my thing. Yeah. I, I, I have a fondness for finding where people get stuck and then finding a way to get around that or through that or under or over whatever the appropriate analogy or metaphor would be. Um, some people really like that, but it, cause it's one of those things that when we do have a pattern and we don't know it, we are literally stuck in certain ways and it becomes part of our identity in ways that we don't recognize. And then you try this new thing and suddenly mm-hmm. there's just a new version of you too, which yeah. that's my favorite thing. Well, I mean, you're a disruptor. And that's good. Uh, I mean, you're a disruptor in business, right? I mean, you said this is the way things are going. This is something needs to yeah, happen. Yeah. And I think that it could be a great thing. I mean, my husband, Matt, who's one of the artists who artistic directors of Palabalus, he's a disruptor. I mean, and it can be very challenging to yeah. be in a meeting. Right. Because then you're like, would you just shut up? Right. But it takes a <laughs> sometimes, no, no, you know, like, but- why? Why are you doing this? You know, I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll say, oh, I like this idea because I can totally see how X, Y and Z would happen. Yeah. And this other way is just way harder. And he's like, yeah, we should do the harder one. And I'm like, no, no, no. I like I want to do the way that I already see. And he's like, yeah, but then we're just going to do those things that you've already come up with in your head. Right. And if you're a creator right? You can't just do X, Y, Z that you've already done because then it's just going to get boring. And we're going to yeah. all say like, we've seen that show. You want, you have to have disruptor. It doesn't mean you enjoy the disruption. Well, it's well, that's the thing. It's worse. One of my best friends called me 20 years ago and said, you know what your biggest problem is? I said, Ooh, this will be good. He says, um, <laughs> you like to just tell people when they're wrong or factually inaccurate or logically inconsistent or in some cognitive bias or, you know, whatever, because you find that interesting, but they think you're an asshole. And yes. I, oh my God, you're absolutely right. And I, I never put two and two together like that. I go, see, you just did it. Yeah. And, but it's something that, um, and it's annoying. I, I'm the first one to admit it because I know that this is a uh, tendency that I have that many people find horribly obnoxious. And I, it's almost impossible for me to stop myself when I'm seeing someone, you know, making some argument that it just doesn't make any sense. That's a non sequitur or it's an ad hominem, oh, yes. whatever it is. Yes. And, um, and, and it, yeah, I, I don't do well at certain dinner parties is the best thing. I can no, say. I feel like you could be my husband. Like that's exactly <laughs> the same thing. I can't tell you how many, it's so frustrating to him when there's like a rule yeah. that makes no sense. Yeah. Cause he just wants to like the, the, um, you know, when you go get a rental car and they give you the keys and it's two sets of keys and they're locked together with that metal chain, you know? And when they first started doing that, they like handed it to him and he's like, they're like, don't lose the keys. Cause it'll be a $300 charge. And he's like, okay, so why don't you cut this and take one of these? Then I only lose one key and you have one. And then they're like, but no, that's, that's not our policy. And he's like, yeah, that makes no sense. Why are they hooked yeah. together? Why would you yeah. give me two sets of, why you have two keys is so that one is one place yeah. and one is another place. And like 30 minutes later, I'm like, can we just leave? Like they're obviously this is their rule. It doesn't make sense. You know, but if it doesn't make sense, he wants to tell them. Yeah. Like they must not know. They must not understand that it doesn't make sense. You know. Well- I will concede, though, that um, there was one that didn't make sense when I was in college. And basically, it was a sign. I'm not going to get into all the details. It'll take too long. But there was a sign that kind of guided people about how to deal with getting your food in the cafeteria in Mm. 
what they thought was the most efficient manner, but seemed completely ludicrous to me. <laughs> so I spent a semester, every time I walked by that sign, it was screwed into the wall. I'd take my knife and I'd unscrew a quarter turn. <laughs> and by the end of the semester, I popped it off the wall. The next semester, the beginning of a new year, a new freshman came in and they didn't see this sign that had this stupid rule and they did what mm-hmm. normal people would do otherwise. And it made it and impossible. It was fine. To <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I was. It wasn't as wrong. as ludicrous as you thought. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. ludicrous, but not in the way that I thought. And I permanently, <laughs> I permanently ruined getting lunch at Duke University because you couldn't get your food fast enough to get to class. And uh, and then happily, I graduated the next, that year. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny we were talking about disruption, and I think that's what I think that's what Palabalus did. 50. Yes two years ago is that that dance was happening in a certain way and not just, you know, ballet, but like modern dance, it was happening. Like there was this amazing person and then a student of theirs would go off, make their own thing. Then there was a new thing. Another student would come off, which is awesome. And people joke that Palabalus is like the, the mushroom that's growing in the dirt of the dance family tree. You know, we're not part of it exactly, but we're not completely separate, right? We're in the like, in the stuff, we're in the dirt, but the fact that they didn't know five, six, seven, eight, or they hadn't been told you're supposed to point your toes or you're supposed to interact like this made them be, do things differently. And then for the audiences, it was a disruption that ended up causing them, if they had made dances like everybody else was making dances, it, it probably would have gone nowhere. Not interesting. Um, and they they were, um, I mean, some of the first reviews about Palabos were like, well, I don't know what this was, but it wasn't dance, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> I'm always telling students this now because like what they see now, even if they see something from 50 years ago that made people say that, they would never say this isn't dance, but also yeah. people do collaborations, people do things differently now. But when we, I always feel like we're trying to have that moment again, like what can you do in 2022 that makes people go like, what, like, what was this? And I, it probably, it might've been 2015 when we did the collaboration with uh, Penn and Teller. You read my mind. That was literally what I was going to (laughs) say. I know. And I, I didn't get to see the creation because, you know, they're constantly working in, in Las Vegas. So our company went out and they would work during the day with Penn and Teller and then they would go do their show at night. So I didn't get to see anything. And when they came back with this piece, which is now called the symbol for escape that's on your computer, you know, it's like the two brackets in ESC, mm-hmm. but basically it's an escape act. And Penn was like, we want to do something that we could not do, like that we physically could not do and, t- but have it be magic, right? Like how can, how can we, what, I mean, Palabolas can do all these amazing things. So what are the escapes that we can put Palabolas into and put them into? And so many people after we did that, and it has a voiceover by Penn Gillette, which yeah. is, you know, ruined my life for about three months while my husband tried to pick which version of, hello, I'm Penn Gillette. Like there's 14 versions of that playing in speakers <laughs> constantly. But uh, people said like that wasn't a dance, yeah. and I said, and, and and some some of the people were really bummed. And I said, oh hey, done, we did it. We just made another dance in 2016 that they said this wasn't dance. And it's like, what definition of dance are you using that this doesn't fit? There are right. choreographed movements, to, rhythmic movements to to music. What I mean, I mean, what are you coming up with to be the the definition that this doesn't fit? So I think disruption 
and thinking about things in a different way. Like you're saying is, is the way to get out of your rut, get out of your, your habits and like, you know, do something new. Yeah. Well, that is a perfect place to bring this to a close. Um, but before we do tell people um, where they can find you and obviously palabolus.org, P-I-L-O-B-O-L-U-S, it'll be in the show notes. Um, but also look, you know, do a search for Palabolus Pen and Teller. And there's some other mm-hmm. things you've done. The balance program, just give people the lowdown on all the different ways they can interact with you. Yeah, absolutely. If you go to palabolus.org, you will see in the menus um, education. There will be information about our summer intensives. There will be information about connecting with balance, which is our balance class. When you get on that balance class page, there's two different ways. You can sign up to take Zoom classes with me that happen weekly. Um, There's a little holiday break in there. But then there's also the online streaming options for people who can't fit the, they don't have the time to do the the live or they don't want to, there's a link there to find that. Um, and both are like monthly fees and it's, it's not, we try to make it affordable. And then if you also, you can contact me there. My info is everywhere. I'm E Kent, E K E N T at palabolus.org. If you want to bring Palabolus out to do workshops with your people, whether they're students or I mean, I've taught corporate execs, uh, you know, a whole school full of teachers, like all kinds of things um, about collaboration, about getting outside yourself and and trying something new, about leading and following and just kind of making new patterns for yourself. I, that's how you can get in touch awesome. and come see us, see our, see our um, slate of shows that are coming up and come see us in person. Yeah, definitely do that. And definitely... Um let us know, like put in the comments, what your experience is when you see Palabolus, either for the first time or the 50th time. Because one thing yeah. that I can say from having seen, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm not sure how many shows, um, is there's some things that just become like your favorite sweater that you just love seeing and you enjoy every time. And there's some things where you're going, wait, is that different than I, I just not remembering that. That's really cool. <laughs> Um, yeah. and, uh, and it's just totally, totally delightful. So, um, Emily, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, for thank everyone you else, for having me. Oh my gosh. My pleasure for everyone else. Um, thank you for joining us. And just again, a reminder, go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. There's no cost to join. There's no secret handshake. There's no nothing. It's just where you can find all the previous episodes, the ways you can engage with us, where you can find the podcast, how you can find us on social media. And if you want to send me a request, a suggestion, a comment or whatever, um, someone you think should be on the show somewhere where you think I have my head completely up my butt, whatever it is. Um, I don't care. I'm open to the conversation. So drop me an email, move M O V E at join the movement movement.com. But most importantly, just go out and have fun and live life feet first.